Welcome back to another episode of The Macrimer Show. I am Dan. I have Hartley here as usual. And today we actually have a really special guest. Not that all of our other guests were not special, of course, but this is <laughs> possibly one of the first guests we've had that like has worked at Apple and is is now uh well actually we'll run through you have quite the resume. So you worked at Apple uh from 1991 to 2007. Uh you right. worked you worked on the iPhone, the iMac, the Airport, which I think a lot of uh longtime Mac rumors fans are very sad to see it go. Um and then uh some other yeah. products along the way and then you were at uh what you were the CTO of Rivian, and now you're the Senior Vice President of Digital over at Lucid. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Mike Bell here to talk all things Apple and Lucid. Um, Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Not too bad. So uh, we'll start off with my first question, which is, you know, what exactly did you do? Now, I listed some of the things uh, that you worked on at Apple, but what exactly did you do at Apple? And then what do you do now at Lucid? Tell us about your kind of day-to-day work. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I had a I had an amazing time at Apple. I, I got there at a kind of a transition point in Apple's history and uh, worked on some of the first multimedia Macs back in the day that had Casper speech recognition for people who remember that. And then I was part of a very small team that, that was called the PowerPC Program Office that basically was tasked with getting Apple's entire ecosystem from Motorola 68K chips to PowerPC. So I worked on the hardware, I worked on the software, I worked with developers. I logged a couple hundred thousand miles in a few years and you know helped that transition go smoothly, which it did. Then I was given the task to go make macOS licensable. So I created the technology side of the clone division, re-architected the way the Mac worked, uh, really over- simplified it, got about 30% better performance, half the price and got our clone vendors to have some amazing products. Uh, Steve came back, kind of killed that. It was the right thing to do. Um, That clone architecture became the iMac. So it really helped define Apple's kind of future from that point forward. Uh, I then took over more groups. Uh, As you mentioned, I ran the group that created Airport, which people forget that Apple kind of invented 802.11, not Wi-Fi, as people like to think. And, uh, you know, worked on Airport Express, uh, Apple TV, that was part of my group. Um, last thing I sort of did that was, was big before leaving, um, I started the iPhone and uh, created a product called Boot Camp uh, that let people run Windows on their Macintosh. It, it seemed obvious to me, no one really wanted to run Windows, but you had to buy a Wickle certified computer to, to buy computers in big companies. So I thought, well, Wickle certify our computers People will never run Windows, but they can buy Macintoshes, and that was also a pretty big success for us. And now, what about so your that, work? That was the at, Apple history. I was say, what about your work now at Lucid, and how does that kind of blend together? Oh, it's great. I, uh, you know, this is is kind of like um, as exciting as Apple, but even more, uh, you know, more relevant these days. I mean, so basically, I run the organization that does the digital architecture, the low voltage architecture, the compute hardware, all of the software and really bringing all of the pieces together. Uh, I work really closely with my counterpart who owns the mechanical side of things. We're a lot like Apple in that we build everything ourselves. You know, there are a lot of people in the Valley who call themselves, you know, automotive startups, but they buy motors from Bosch and other pieces from other companies and kind of integrate them together. And you never get an Apple-like experience if you don't own everything end to end. So Mike, you mentioned uh, a few uh, products there that you worked on at Apple. I'm sure a lot of our readers are wondering what your favorite one was that you worked on and, and, and why. Oh, my favorite one, boy. Well, uh, you know, certainly I think the one that's had the biggest impact was the iPhone. But my favorite one would have to be Airport because 
you know, it was a situation as the internet was coming up where I knew a lot of people that would go home and drag a 30 foot ethernet cable from some kind of place in their house out to their deck or to their kitchen table. And the whole idea behind airport is that it gave you the freedom to kind of work anywhere, which is kind of a good, bad thing, right? You could re-engage with your family. You could, you could work in places, you know, that were more social. You didn't have to be tucked away in an office or uh, have a 30 foot cable dragging behind you. And it really created a new way of, of working. And, you know, you could see the possibility of once everything got connected wirelessly, you know, without the need to, to drag infrastructure behind how kind of freeing that would be. So that has to be the, the most, my, my favorite product. And do you think that uh, it's a bit of a shame that that product's gone away now? Um, or do you think there's there's so many other great alternatives? It was kind of good for its time, but now it's uh, now it's not so required. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, I mean, certainly it's, it's uh, having invested so much time in that, I hate to see it go away, but it's the right thing for Apple. I mean, there are companies out there that that's their sole focus. And one of the things Steve really um, brought back into Apple when he got back was you focus on the things you're good at or that are necessary, and you don't have dozens of other ancillary products that are just hobbies. So I think it's a great thing for Apple to focus. And, and you know, if a new Wi-Fi generation comes out that Apple can take advantage of and do something special with, my bet is they go back into that business. But for now, you know, some of the other companies out there are doing a fine job and they work really well with the Macintosh. And, you know, it gives Apple the chance to focus on other things. What about your uh, your time with the iPhone? This is highly relevant. I mean, the iPhone is always relevant, but now that there's the, the new 15 lineup, like how do you feel about the change from when you guys started the iPhone back in, you know, before 2007, but it was released around then and then to now with the iPhone 15 and the 15 pro and pro max. Oh, I mean, it's just amazing to see where things have gone. I mean, back then, you know, we had this vision that it was going to be big, but I don't think we ever understood how big it was going to be. And now, you know, the first iPhone, the battery lasted kind of a day. The camera was revolutionary and that it worked unlike other cell phone cameras. Now, now, you know, multi-day battery connectivity, satellite connectivity, you know, I mean, it just, it blows me away. And, and a camera that is just as good as the Nikon, you know, D digital SLR that I had back when the iPhone came out. I mean, you know, people have kind of complained about, well, it's not that revolutionary, ever revolutionary anymore. Sometimes evolutionary is a good thing, right? It's, they've taken something in continuous improvement. And, and you know, I, I love what, what they've done with it. So you were at Apple at a time of immense change. Um, and I, I suppose a lot of people would really reflect on um, that being the, the time in which Apple, as we know it today, was really formed. And all of these product lines, to a large extent, were really cemented. Um, and of course, you had the return of Steve Jobs. Um, so how do you feel that Apple sort of grew and changed during that, that formative period when you were there? Yeah, I, I, the week after I got to Apple in 91, we laid off about a third of the company. And, you know, of course, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what have I done moving from Philadelphia? And uh, but, you know, it was really interesting. Um, Apple had gotten to a point where there were too many products and too many divisions and there really wasn't focus. And, you know, groups were almost sabotaging each other. We got down to 5000 people worldwide at one point, the entire company. And what ended up happening, you know, Steve came back, he cut the products down to a reasonable number. He really uh, instituted focus and accountability and, and really showed what you could do with a small number of great people all rowing in the same direction. And, you know, you can't argue with the results. I mean, it was really, it was a slog. You know, we worked 16, 18 hours a day for months, um, but 
the cool thing was those of us that were at Apple at that time really kind of thought it was as much of a mission as it was a job. You know, we appreciated what had come before at Apple. We appreciated what the Macintosh had done kind of for, for normal people. You didn't have to be a geek to use a computer. It was, the computer was a tool to do great things. It wasn't a thing unto itself. So it was really a, an exciting time to be there. And I think it really set the stage for, you know, the tremendous growth they've seen, but, but boy, I'm, I'm not sure any of us ever predicted Apple was going to be the biggest company in the world. We were certainly hoping, but uh, you know, it's, it's great how it's turned out. Even when you left, uh, did you think that the trajectory, well, cause it's been what uh, I, think you said you were out in 2007 right De- like December right of 07 yeah. yeah yeah so I mean did, did you did you think from that what 15 years 16 years that it was even going to be at the level that it is now even back then when they were already pretty successful I mean it, I knew it had the potential you know we the, the great thing is um you know, Steve's attention and focus on quality and the customer and, and Tim Cook has really carried that forward, you know, really was something very special. I've never seen it in any other company except Lucid. I mean, I, I honestly think we have some of that DNA here as well. It's all about the customer. It's all about the product. It's all about customers being happy. And I think that's the most important thing. So it was it was pretty clear that, you know, Apple was still going to be in a really good place. Um, I had the chance to go try to out iPhone the iPhone. So it was something I couldn't resist. Um, but you know, I was still, still an Apple customer to this day. I think I've bought one of everything they've ever made. So I was, uh, that was actually going to be one of my, one of my like toss in questions of what's your favorite, like can't live without Apple product that you're, that you're currently using besides the iPhone. I feel like that's, that's too easy. It is, you know, I, uh, I love my Apple watch. I mean, I use, I, I fly airplanes, I swim, I bike. And, you know, when it first came out, I was a little skeptical. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not really sure who needs this. The latest generation with the multi-day battery life and the brighter screen and the cellular connectivity, it's really something I've come to rely on kind of in day to day. Now, sometimes it's a little too convenient, like getting notifications on my wrist. I think my wrist buzzes sometimes when the watch isn't there. Uh, it's now oh, yeah, the, phantom a, buzz, <laughs> the phantom buzz, the phantom buzz. Exactly. <laughs> the phantom buzz. Yeah. But I, I think they've done an amazing job. And, and you know, it really is something where, again, it's, as much of a piece of uh, it's as much of a watch as it is a technology thing, which is a really cool blending. And and my last question before we move on to uh, to to Lucid stuff because that's you know really important is the the, the Apple Vision Pro is the next major breakthrough product that Apple has uh, coming out here in the next few months. Early twenty twenty four is what they were saying. Um, how do you feel about Apple Vision Pro and kind of augmented virtual reality as a whole? And then do you think this could be the next iPhone like some people are saying it could be? Or are we kind of like, let's slow down a little bit in that regard, because the iPhone is kind of a one of a kind thing? Yeah, you know, I'll give you kind of a bit of a vague answer. If anyone can pull it off, it will be Apple. Um, you know, the whole AR VR thing hasn't had the killer use case yet. I mean, I remember, you know, looking at the Oculus stuff back when I was at Intel, we went down and talked to Oculus. Uh, with an eye towards buying them before uh, before Facebook did. And it was interesting for a subset of people, but it wasn't something that I really saw that would get mass adoption you know, for lots of use cases. And frankly, a product that makes people even less social to me was a little odd. You know, Having something like Apple's doing where it's AR and VR, so it's a combination of the two and it, it, you know, with Apple's DNA and ease of use and you know, if anyone can pull it off, Apple will do it. Um, I've yet to actually try one myself. I'm looking forward to it because I love playing with new gadgets. Um, but I think, you know, it's people were skeptical when the iPad first came out. 
You know, I remember hearing people say, well, you know, who needs one of these, right? Now, who doesn't have one? So, you know, I, I think I think there's a chance we're going to be seeing maybe maybe generation two in the first generation, maybe a little like the first gen iPhone where it gets adoption, but not mass adoption. And then they figure out the aha moment and they come up with something spectacular. Lucid is doing some very interesting things um, with digital technologies. Um, and of course, when you're considering the driving experience, that's such a, a sort of specific um such a specific experience and there's such specific um considerations involved there so how do you feel that um lucid has to utilizes these digital um, tools and digital experiences to set that user experience um, in the automotive industry yeah as you mentioned there are specific considerations for automotive you know functional safety safety of the of the of the car of course is paramount We've managed to do something which is kind of cool. We have the best of both worlds. We've taken traditional automotive responsibilities, safety processes, ways of doing things that give us assurances that the customer is, is being treated in a safe fashion. And we've also taken the best of Silicon Valley in terms of functionality and new ways of doing things and new, ex new experiences and new user interfaces. Even, even so, you know, leaving some traditional buttons because people really don't want to roll their volume up with a with a touchscreen, right? So we're we're doing this unique blend of old world and new world with you know people from automotive and people from Apple. In fact, I'm I'm very lucky. Um, the, the majority of my old senior team from Apple has come out of retirement to work with me here. So a lot of what you see in the car was created by the same people who created Airport and the iMac and everything else. And uh, we we have a really cool culture and a really unique way of doing things. So how important do you feel it is for Apple features like CarPlay? Um, to integrate with Lucid because there's, Lucid has this really um, unique way of implementing CarPlay. Um, it's it's very interesting the way that it's uh, it sort of takes on the form of the curved display, um, and that caused a lot of excitement when that first came out. Um, so, how important is that um, to to put those uh, those different tools that Apple makes available in the vehicle? Well, I think choice for the customer is important. You know, we looked at CarPlay, and obviously you won't be surprised that a lot of our customers have iPhones and they're used to doing things a certain way. We think our user interface and we think our applications are really, really good. And in fact, a lot of people are really happy with them, but there are some customers that want CarPlay. So what we've done is for those customers who want it, we've integrated in a Lucid-like way. You know, it's we try to make it seamlessly fit in with the user experience we provide. And we work very closely with Apple to do that. And we try, we, we've, we think we've tried and succeeded in making it work just as well wirelessly as it does wired, which is, you know, kind of a, a kind of a statement, uh, because as you can imagine, we are integrating kind of a black box, which is CarPlay, into our system, and it touches every piece of the of the infotainment system and the wireless system. So it's a very tight and very uh, complicated integration, and we, you know we think we've done a pretty good job. So I actually got to test out. Um, I believe it was the Pure. Um, great car by the way because i currently drive a model three and then driving that i was like ah, this is not anywhere close <laughs> to what i am currently well, there's probably, driving there's probably a showroom by you i'm just saying you know uh, we could we could hook you up it wouldn't be a problem hey hey if we can get that into my price point i will absolutely <laughs> hit you up um because not only i mean i my, my my question is surrounding carplay but just to reflect on the car for a minute it's it's a it's a sedan, but it is massive. I have three kids, and there is no way we can fit all three kids comfortably 
in uh, I mean, you can do it, but it's just not comfortable. They're really squished in there. I put them in the the lucid. I mean, it was they had so it felt like they were in the van. Like they had so much more room. That's besides the point. It's just a good car. It's really well built. There's not a lot of quality like issues at all that I noticed, and it just feels luxury and premium. Now, when you go to CarPlay in cars like that, that's where things kind of fall apart. And so Hartley mentioned that it was like amazing that it was able to take over, and it's a kind of a strange display compared to most others. You know, you're kind of looking at like a rectangle compared to this nice elegant curve to it. And you were able to take up the full thing. But then in some situations, it seems like Apple is kind of restricting on how you can make CarPlay work and make it look visually as good as all of your other stuff. So what are the restrictions like and kind of how are you guys able to navigate that when working with Apple and CarPlay for your for your guys' uh, infotainment? Let me touch on one thing really quick. I'm glad you love the car. The cool thing about the car though, externally, it's not that big. So you're right, it fits a lot of people inside. This is one of those kind of magician things. We've like bent time and space because we're doing everything ourselves and because our motors are industry leading, they're tiny, but way powerful. And our battery packs are crafted properly. We have more interior space in the same size car as a lot of other cars. So you would find that in the same size car as one of our Purers or any other Lucid, you couldn't fit that many people inside if it, was, if it was a third party car. We've done this magic where we fit a lot more space into the same external volume. And that's really important because some people think, oh my God, the car's gigantic. It's actually not, it's a reasonable sized car. We've just done this really cool thing where you can fit a lot more stuff inside really comfortably. Uh, everyone loves the massage sheets up front. I gotta tell you, it's uh, you know, a popular feature. Um, anyhow, back onto your question though, CarPlay. Yeah, you know, we, you know, there are, there's a very big book of guidelines from Apple, what you have to do and can't do. There's a certification process. To their credit, it's, uh, it's pretty thorough. I mean, you, to ship CarPlay, you have to really work with Apple and prove that it runs a, a myriad of tests correctly, repeatedly over and over with various iPhones. I, I want to say one of the tests, you may have to hook up like four phones at the same time and switch between them. I mean, it's not a, it's not a cakewalk. So they are trying to, just like we are, they are trying to preserve that user experience. So CarPlay means something. It isn't, you know, terrible. Now, I will say, I think we've done one of the best implementations. I have driven other cars where it's not particularly reliable. Um, but, you know, I, we are really striving to give the customer as close to a perfect experience as we can. So what other digital features is Lucid working on um, right now that we can look forward to? Are there any other integrations with um, Apple products in particular? <laughs> if, if it's one of those things where I'd tell you, I'd have to kill you. I mean, we are, one of the great things about our car, I'll give, it, I'll give you some generalities. We do almost everything ourselves. We have north of 70 computers in the car. Almost every one of them, we write the software for ourselves. And almost every one of them is over the air updatable. Our car is probably the most OTAable for those folks who are acronym savvy. It's probably the most OTAable car in the industry. We can change just about every parameter and every behavior on the car. The cool thing about this is that it means the longer you own the car, the better it gets, as opposed to previous cars where it is what it is. And if the dealer, if you don't bring the car into the dealer, you'll never have a fix. And I love to tell this story. I have a, a 2009 convertible by a German company whose cars that I love, very sporty. Um, the iPod interface won't play any song that begins with the letter, I think it's T. You scroll to it, you hit the thing, and it jumps back to S. And I've gone to the dealer and they've politely told me it's broken and it will never be fixed. 
can you imagine? I mean, our customers would come to us with pitchforks if we said, I'm sorry. Yeah, you, you can't play music that begins with T. I mean, we have gotten to the point now where cars are as uh, the expectations are the same as with an iPhone or a computer. There will be constant updates. There will be feature updates. We constantly add new things back to your question. Um, we, when we ship the car, you could play Dolby Atmos music off of um, uh, Tidal, a streaming service. We added the ability recently to play Dolby Atmos music off of the USB stick. Now, people say, oh, that's old school. It turns out a lot of people like playing music from their collection over USB. We added that. Um, we've added a lot of new features, some, some bigger than others. Uh, we've added, we've changed the behaviors because customers have said, hey, I don't like the way the doors unlock. Boom, overnight, we can change that behavior. So it's as much about refining and improving the user experience based on feedback as it is just you know adding new features. I did not realize that there was a large subset of people out there that listen to music via a USB stick. So I'm glad you guys took care of them. Uh, and, and, and added the ability for them to listen to music like that. Well, we also just added, uh, we have a great partner with Sirius XM and we don't do satellite. We didn't put the antenna in the car, but we're the first company I believe to ship Sirius XM streaming in the car. And we have a crazy high adoption rate with that. Customers love it. And so what we're trying to do is really get feedback from our customers, be really close to them, understand what they want. And over time, you know, add those features. So the car just gets better and better and better. Is there one of those features that you've worked on, even if it's a really small one at Lucid, that has just been the most satisfying to be able to, to carry through to delivery? Wow, there's so many. Um, let me think for a second what that would be. I mean, we've, we've really, um, well, I'll tell you, one of the best things we've done, and this, this isn't a feature so much as a user experience. When we originally shipped the car, um, there was a bit of lag in the user interface. You know, some people had commented that uh, things weren't as responsive as they should be. Um, our underlying operating system is based on Android with our own user interface on top of it, open source Android. What we actually did is we took about nine months, completely changed the version of Android running underneath the interface, kept the interface the same. So customers, you know, I hate when people swap out gratuitously, customers learn something and then suddenly everything changes. We're not trying to fool our customers, but by swapping out that in, the entire underpinning, we dramatically improved the speed. It's night and day difference. Um, it used to take a fairly long time for some of the computers to start up at, at, at power on of the car. They come up now, by the time you get in the car, the screens are on and running, which is difficult because obviously with a battery powered car, you want the computers to be off like, like a phone, like you want them to be sleeping to save, to save power. It's really difficult when you have to coordinate that among 70 computers inside the car and they all have to come up in perfect order. But we did that. So we, we dramatically improved the user experience almost invisibly. And then, of course, we, you know, like I said, we've done things like added Sirius XM and changed the way the doors have opened. And we're actually working. I can't tell you yet, but uh, I will tell you, come back to me in, a, in a, a fairly small number of weeks. We're adding some really cool features that I'd love to talk about um, and we're really proud of. But um, this is, you know, because we do our own software and hardware, you know, we can do this. And there are very few other play people in the automotive space who can. What ways is the work that you do uh, with the software at Lucid similar to what you guys did at Apple with philosophy and structure and all of that? Oh, there are a lot of similarities with the way we do. So, you know, just like at Apple, I mean, at Apple, hardware and hardware division and the software division work together. It was, it was a systems approach. It was a product approach. We have that same philosophy here. We figure out what we want the experience to be for the end user. And then we together, you know, our, my, my hardware counterparts and our teams 
sit together and figure out what do we have to do in the hardware and then how do we take advantage of that in the software to bring that experience to life. The methodologies we use, the way we build the software, the way we test the software, um, you won't be surprised since the folks who are testing the software for me also have come with me from Apple. Um, we follow a very similar regimen and we also have a similar philosophy. You, you know, there are always bugs in software. You can never fix all the bugs, but you never ship with bugs that the customer can see. That's the magic, right? It's figuring out which bugs have customer impact and which are just annoyances and they'll never see. And, and that's actually kind of a lot of work to you know, prioritize what to fix. So our whole approach from the customer centric way of designing the features to the way we implement them in a really tight collaboration between hardware and software is very much what makes Apple special. It really is what makes us special here at Lucid. Do you feel there are any striking differences in the way that Lucid operates in your experience at Lucid compared to at Apple? Do you think that Lucid maybe is a little bit more at this point? Well, I think there are a lot of similarities between the Lucid of today and the Apple when I was there. I mean, I, I can't really comment on the way Apple is today. I mean, I'm thrilled for them I, that they've been able to expand the company the way they have. It's really tremendous. With that kind of growth, you know, from what I saw at Intel, I would doubt that they can move as quickly as we did back in the day when there were 5,000 of us at the company. But I really think there are a lot of similarities between the way we worked at Apple back then and the way we work at Lucid here. And, and you know, Peter, our CEO, he is, he is as passionate about cars as Steve was about computers and education and things. I mean, you know, Peter is an honest uh, automotive geek. Um, he understands the inside and out, how to build a car. He is a fanatic about quality. And that really shows in the product and, and the way we do things. So I think there are a lot of similarities you know, between our two companies. Well, I, I, I have to say, I, I, I love the videos uh, that you put up with your, with your CEO and, and the way they sort of dive into different technical aspects of the car. And it, it, it does um, really evoke um, that, that sort of attention to detail that Apple has. Um, and uh, I'm not a Lucid owner, I wish I was, um, but I can just watch those videos all day. They're just, they're, they're really, really well put together. No, they are. And the really cool thing is that people here are really passionate about that stuff. This isn't something where we have to say, okay, you're gonna go film this video about this thing. I mean, we're dying to show people what we've done. I mean, our hardware is, is as good as our software. Our motors are state of the art. I mean, they truly are industry leading. The battery pack, the inverter, you know, the way we, the whole powertrain system. The, the hardware is really great. And then it's the software, of course, that helps bring that greatness into a product, but you can't have one without the other. So, you know, I, I love, you know, Peter's videos, Eric's videos, uh, uh, other folks, you know, it really shows the passion we have here at Lucid for building a product that's great for our customers. Okay, so I don't think I'm breaking anything by saying that looking at your website, there is a little tab for future models. And so we see the name of the gravity and there's not a lot of information out there, but maybe you can highlight a little bit about what's next for Lucid. Well, yes. I mean, I think everyone knows we're working on an SUV. Um, and, you know, our goal is to be as innovative and industry leading with the SUV as we were with the Air Sedan. And I think we've set a new benchmark for, you know, people have almost trouble explaining what we are. Okay, we're a, a luxury passenger car, but it turns out we do zero to 60 faster than hypercars. You know, it's we're kind of this conundrum. And frankly, we love that, you know, it, it, it doesn't fall into a single mold. It doesn't fall into a, a single trap. We want to do the same thing. We want to redefine what an SUV is all about, you know, leading range and comfort and style. 
we don't think you should have to have an ugly car to get range. We don't think you should have to have a bad range to get style. We think everything should be comfortable and the interface should be intuitive. So, you know, we've learned a lot of lessons. We've, we've, I think we've come out with an amazing product. And this, I think, gravity is going to be even better. I do have a question. Is it going to be as fast as the, the Lucid that I tried? Because uh, let me tell you, the look on my wife's face when I put the pedal to the floor was, I wish there was a camera recording her because it was, <laughs> it was pretty hilarious. <laughs> I think I'll just say, I think we have some surprises up our sleeve for you, but touching on that speed. So it was really great. This past weekend, we uh, launched our uh, Sapphire cars, which is our tri-motor version. Very stylish. I have one here behind me. And we took our first customers up to Sonoma Raceway here and had them uh, do uh, zero to 60 trials and ride around the racetrack with the Stig. If you guys know Top Gear, the Stig was there and, and, you know, he gave people a, a really fun ride and we had, you know, normal people doing sub, you know, sub two, well under two seconds, zero to sixties um, in these cars and just the smile on their faces and the look on their faces when the acceleration it's, it doesn't just accelerate our, the car, you have to experience it. The acceleration keeps going. You, you, it's not like you accelerate and stop. You just have this constant feel of pulling, but in a controlled way, a little fun fact for you guys, we actually managed to shave almost half a second off our zero to 60 time by bringing traction control in-house and running it ourselves. Originally, we were going to use a third party who's world leading at this, and we found it couldn't keep up with our car. We did a, uh, a very quick program to write our own traction control. We had planned it, but we didn't plan it for this soon. You know, Again, great people work day and night, and it dramatically improved the performance of the car. Yeah, I mean, is there anything else that you want to let everyone know just like, about lucid or maybe yourself in general uh you said you flew airplanes like or were you just saying that you fly in airplanes like i do or do you physically no, no. fly the planes <laughs> no i, That's uh, impressive. I physically fly uh so i fly uh, helicopters and airplanes i uh you know it's it's one of those things where I, I love to keep challenging myself which is one of the reasons i love working here we're always you know, looking for the next best thing and how do we make it better and faster and cooler and yeah and for me flying you know believe it or not flying is very relaxing your brain is smart enough to realize I am flying an airplane, therefore everything else in your life you're going to forget about while you're doing this activity. So you're, you're focused and it's this amazing view of the world that you know, not a lot of other people see from a small airplane or a helicopter. And by the time I land, I'm just you know, refreshed. And sometimes I've actually, in the back of my mind, solved the problem I was working on in kind of a subconscious way. So for me, that's just a, a, great, a great way to you know, uh, complement what I have a chance to do here every day, which is just a blast. All right. So is there, um, is there something else that you wanted to let us know about the future of Lucid? Perhaps maybe something in a, a price point that's conducive for everyone, maybe? Because uh, their cars are so good, but I, I know that it's hard to bring that luxury quality down to something that is, you know, affordable for everyone. And even like some of the prices, like for the Lucid, the the lowest model that you guys have is really in the grand scheme of things not bad compared to like some of the other prices that i've seen where i mean what you're getting is doesn't even come close so yeah our, our pure rear wheel drive cars that we just introduced are, are very you know are much lower in price than than our initial vehicles but they still have the same dna much of the same performance the same fit and finish the same craftsmanship you know we're always looking to expand kind of up and down the range of vehicles we would like everyone to be able to afford a lucid because we think the experience 
is just phenomenal. Um, so obviously longer term, we have, uh, we have plans or we have goals, of, a vision to really expand all, you know, all through the various, uh, the, the various price points and things. Just like Apple, you know, at the moment, we're focused, just like Apple was back in the day, we're focused, you know, with air and with gravity, and we're gonna make sure that experience is mind blowing. And the cool thing is, you know, our technology, it's world leading, but it's not expensive. You know, if you, if you do things correctly, if you have a motor that's more efficient, it means you can have a smaller battery pack to get the same range. And the battery pack is a lot more expensive than, a, than the motor. So you have to have a systems play, right? So what we've done is create this amazing technology that gives us not only an amazing, it uh, gives us an advantage in user experience and performance, but isn't you know, more expensive than other things on the market. It's just done better, which is really, again, difficult to do. I, I, give, uh, I give a lot of credit to the folks that were here before me. I got to Lucid about three years ago, and much of this was in play. And it's, it, when I, one of the things that attracted me here was how amazing the technology was, and it wasn't made of unobtainium. You know, it really was something where you could build a, a reasonable car because it was just so well optimized. Like I said, I got to drive it around for a couple of weeks. It was in my garage and I didn't want to give it back, but uh, I was very, <laughs> I was glad. very thankful. I was very thankful for the experience. It made me very sad to go back into my other car, which is a good car, uh, but uh, it does not even hold a, it just, it's not even close. So uh, for those of you who are on, on the fence for a Lucid, not only is it great looking, but also courtesy of Mike and his team, the software is fantastic. And if you're a big CarPlay fan, uh, you get that, which is not something you get in a lot of cars like that. I was going to say, you know, I really invite people. We have a showroom here at our headquarters in Newark, as well as we have showrooms all over, all over the country. But, you know, the showroom here in Newark, we have all the cars on display. We have a Sapphire. I encourage people to come visit us. We are really nice people. <laughs> we love to see to, to see and talk with customers who are enthusiastic about the product. So uh, please, uh, if anyone's in the area here in the Bay Area, you know, pop over. And uh, our folks here in the showroom, which is where I'm broadcasting from, you know, we'll, we'll treat you well and give you give you a, a great experience. Nice. Now, is there anything uh, else that you want to plug? This is usually the time where we give a lot of our guests chance to throw out social media and stuff. Not sure if that's something you want to do or uh, if, if you just want everyone <laughs> to everyone to go buy a Lucid. Now's your chance. Say what you need to say um, before we let you well, go. Well, boy, that'll, that'll prove to see this will prove why I'm the engineer and not the marketing person. Um, you know, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I mean, visit the website, come take a test drive. We are so thrilled with the product we built. We love sharing with everyone else. I'm so glad you had a good experience in the car. Um, I get to drive one every day and the smile is still on my face as I go over the Dunbarton Bridge. It's, it's just a different driving experience. It's luxurious at the same time, it feels like a sports car because it is. It's, it's, you don't have to make a trade-off. So, you know, we want more happy customers. We want more people to experience what we've done. And frankly, we love to get feedback. You know, we like to know what people like and what they don't like. And that helps make the product better. So I really encourage people, don't be shy. You know, people who already own it, let us know what you think. People who are on the fence, let us know what you think. Um, it, it really helps us figure out what to do, how to prioritize things going forward. Well, you guys heard it here. If you currently own one and you have complaints, go ahead and send all of your stuff to Mike. He'll gladly be... <laughs> Just kidding. Don't do that. There's no way you have yeah, complaints yeah. anyways. Yeah, it's thank, a good thanks, car. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Mike. We really appreciate your time. Anytime. This has been a blast. Thank you, guys. 